Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I'm going to be uh, reading from Exodus chapter 14. I don't have it on the screen. We're still working out uh, a new computer back there, but uh, I'm going to... I'll introduce my subject. My subject tonight is the drama of salvation. The drama of salvation. Um, I'm reading a passage from Exodus chapter 14. Um, this might help just to just to listen, listen to the story, and you know you don't have a screen to rely on, but just listen to what God is saying through uh, the text. It says, "The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh." king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and, they were, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. So they're, they're about to cross the Red Sea, they're about to go, you know, be delivered from Egypt, and they're about to walk on dry land, and they look, they turn around, and there's an army of Egyptians riding after them in chariots. You know, think about uh, the Prince of Egypt, that movie, you know, they're, they're in their chariots, you know, and they've got spears and pharaohs, you know, at the head, and he's, he's leading a charge, and he's, he's, you know, coming to destroy them. And so the, they're the Egyptians, and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Why have you done, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, leave us, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Another translation says you will stand still and see the salvation that God is going to do. Everybody say salvation. So I'm going to preach about the drama of salvation. Maybe you've heard that word before, salvation. Maybe you've you know, heard the story for it before of you know, the exodus of Pharaoh and the children of Egypt. But I'm going to, by the Lord's help, just help get a fresh understanding of salvation. So you may be seated. You know, sometimes a, a, the best way to, to learn something is through a story. Um, if you think about it, the reason that um, they, when you're a kid, that they have you read and watch so many stories and fairy tales is because the best way to teach something is to um, use a, a story. Um, you know, think about um, Little Red Riding Hood. Um, doesn't she like walk through the woods or something? And gets eaten. Yeah. So what's the moral of the story? Don't don't walk into the woods because you might get eaten, right? No, don't talk to strangers. So the three little pigs. You know, they they built their houses 
um, you know, out of, out of sand or out of, you know, straw, and it got burnt down, you know, so you want to build your house on a strong foundation. So the, the best way to teach something is through um, a story, and that's why to uh, children, you know, stories are almost always used to, to teach a, uh, a principle. And so in the same way, God has given us a, a story to help us, to teach us about salvation. He's given us a story to teach us about salvation. And when I say salvation, I'm talking about the work. Salvation also means deliverance. So when you've, when you've been saved from something, it's like, you know, let's imagine that, you know, there was a, uh, the, the floor was lava right here, okay? And um, we're not going to play the floor is lava, but just think about it. And let's say that I'm about to, like, you know, walk, and I didn't know. I was about to walk and just get completely incinerated by the lava. And let's say Jax came up and, you know, stopped me before I got into the lava, right? He saved me from going into the lava and getting destroyed. He delivered me from this terrible um, uh, uh, death. And so that's what, that's what salvation means. It means Jesus saving you from something, delivering you from something. And so what is it that Jesus has delivered us from? You want to take a stab at it? Sin, yes. Sin, hell, death, the grave. We were all headed towards that way. We were headed towards the, the wrong way. But Jesus, you know, he stepped in at just the right time. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Jesus died for the ungodly. So while we were still, you know, in our sins, doing the wrong thing, Jesus, you know, died for us even though we were sinning. And he stepped in and he, and he saved us and he delivered us from death. And so in this story of the Israelites escaping Egypt, there is a drama of salvation. There's a story about salvation. Who remembers the uh, short skit drama thing we did at Youth Week back in March? Anybody remember that? If you weren't there um, and you want to see it, uh, it's, I think it's on Facebook. Um, but our, our skit team did a, a short drama skit deal where there was, you know, a part played by our very own Ethan Espinoza, and he was uh, a kid who had started out a good relationship with Jesus, and then through different things, various sins, he was, you know, sold into, or he was, you know, committed sin and became a slave of the devil, and then at the very end, Jesus steps in onto the scene, and he, you know, played by our very own Malachi Bowman, steps in onto the scene and just, you know, delivers uh, the, the character from, from sin. And it's, it's kind of like a, a sermon to the eyes of, you know, how, how Je what Jesus does inside the heart of a believer. And so this is exactly what is happening in this story of the Exodus. Exodus means like moving on from, from something, leaving something. And so what had happened is, the Israelites, the children of Israel, they had been in slavery for over 400 years, and God decided that it was time to deliver them from slavery, and so he sent them a, a, a preacher of righteousness, a prophet named Moses, to go call them out of Egypt. He, he, he talked to him through a bush. I always think it's kind of funny that God was literally talking Moses, to Moses through a bush, 
And then Moses asks for a sign to show the people. It's like, what more do you need? You know, if God, if God was talking to me through a bush, I wouldn't need anything else. I would just be, all right, I'm going to go do what he told me to do, right? Listen to the talking bush. And so Moses was, he was, he was getting talked to by God through the bush that wasn't burning but had fire on it. And he gets, you know, commissioned. He tells him, you know, I'm going to send you to Egypt and you're going to deliver my people. And in the same way, the start of the salvation process, the start of getting delivered from sin, oftentimes starts with uh, a preacher. It starts with somebody coming up to you and saying, hey, have you ever heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ? It, starts, it usually starts with somebody you know, inviting you to, to a church service or somebody you know, giving you a Bible study. That's, that's where it usually starts, is that someone who has the love of Jesus inside their hearts is sent by God to, to go and to reach other people. And this is exactly what happened with this story. God sends Moses to go and to, to tell the people, the children of Israel, that they have been, you know, that God is going to deliver them from Egypt. And so Moses, he goes, he goes down to Egypt, and he's, you know, he, he kind of has a showdown while he's, while he's down there with, with Pharaoh and this, with his magicians. Um, I think about that movie again, Prince of Egypt. That's all I can think about. And, you know, when they're singing that song, playing with the big boys now, anybody heard that one? It's kind of funny. That's, that's just all I can imagine in my mind. And so, you know, there's, there's a showdown. They, they transform these things into snakes, and then Moses has his own staff, and he throws it down, and it, it turns into a snake and eats the other snakes. And God sends ten plagues over Egypt because Pharaoh will not let the people go. He sends ten plagues. There's like frogs you know, boils on people's skin, like darkness, um, all kind of all crazy stuff. And the final plague was that God was going to send a, a death angel to Egypt, and the death angel was going to uh, uh, wipe out all the firstborn uh, children. All right, any firstborns in here? All right, if you were in Egypt, you would have got wiped out, sorry to say, that night. You would have been toast. Um, and so the, some of you are probably glad if your siblings in here, you're like, yes, like they'll be gone. I'm the youngest child, so I didn't have to worry about it. I wouldn't have had to worry about it. But pastor, he would have been toast because he's the oldest. Um, so the, the death angel, it's God tells Moses the death angel is going to come through the camp, but God tells Moses that there is a way for the children of Israel to not get wiped out by the angel of death, and that is through the, he's going to put the blood, the way to not get destroyed by the death angel is to put blood of a lamb on your doorpost. That is the way to not get destroyed by the death angel. And it's such a, it's such a strange, you know, thing to, to think about is that some blood of a lamb on your doorpost is what is going to save you. Who, who would have who thought, you know, to get saved by the death angel that you need to put blood on the door, Right. All right, if, I'm, if there's a death angel coming, I'm not going to worry about blood. I'm just going to start running, okay? If it's, if it's a death angel, you know, I'm just going to start running because I'm not going to, I can't fight it. You know, I'm not strong enough for that. So, but Moses tells the children of Israel, he says, if you put blood of a lamb on your doorpost, that your firstborn child will not be killed in, when the death angel comes over. 
And so that night, all the Israelites got together, and they, um, he was starting a new uh, feast, festival type thing called the Passover. And he was, you know, they, they instituted where you'd cut, cut the lamb, and you'd put its blood on the doorpost. And then um, that was how you were saved, because the, the lamb died instead of the firstborn child. They, they put the punishment on the lamb and not the child. And so the death angel comes, comes through the, the camp, and it sees the blood on the Israelites' doorposts, and it keeps going and doesn't kill the firstborn child of the Israelites, but it takes out uh, the firstborn child of the Egyptians. So, in the same way, the first thing about your salvation, the first thing to think about with your salvation is the death of Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross. That is the very, the, the central thing to, to your salvation is Jesus dying on the cross. Because when you think about your salvation, you know, just this is a rhetorical question, but just think about it. When you think about your salvation, do you think about what, what you did or what Jesus did? Just think about it. Do you think about what you did or what Jesus did? When you think about, you know, being, being saved, you know, doing right, is it something that, is it something that, that I did or is, it, or is it something, you know, outside of me? Is it something that Jesus did? And I'm here to, to preach, to proclaim that the only way that you can be saved is through what Jesus did on the cross. That is the only way that you can be saved. There's, there's, you cannot do um, enough good. You cannot, you know, uh, try, and, try and act right enough. You cannot try to, you know, do right in, in school, at work, whatever it is. You cannot try to do enough good things to go to heaven to be saved. You just can't. Because the Bible says that all our righteous acts, everything that we try to do that's right, is like filthy rags to God. You know, when we, when we come up to heaven, you know, and we say, God, look at this. You know, I, I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't cuss this week. I didn't, you know, listen to bad music. Look at this. This is my righteousness. This is what's a good part of me. And Jesus, it's almost, it's, it's like filthy rags. We can't do anything on our own to be saved. It, it has to be something else. And so the only way that we can be saved, the only thing that can, can, can merit, that can, can accomplish our salvation is what Jesus did on the cross. Because just like the, the blood of the lamb that would save the Israelites during the, the, the exodus, in the same way, the blood of Jesus is what saves us from the wrath of God. The blood of Jesus is what saves us from the wrath of God. You may be saying, how is, it, how is it just the blood of Jesus that saves us? What is it about this blood? Did he have some, you know, magical, magical blood or something, you know? Um, you know, I personally, I can't really look at blood. I get really queasy. I get, I almost like pass out. I remember, I saw, I saw, I just saw an, a MR, just a picture of an MRI of my knee. And I started getting queasy and had to sit down. Like, it was just a picture. It wasn't even like a real anything. Even if I started thinking about surgery, I'm like getting sick to my stomach now. We're moving on. But the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can save you. And so why is it, why is it the blood of Jesus that saves us? Why is it the blood of Jesus that saves us? It is because when you think about Jesus on the cross, when you, when you picture Jesus in your mind on the cross, it should have been us on the cross. It should have been us dying for, for sin. It should have been 
us with the nails in our hands and the nails in our feet and getting whipped and all this kind of stuff. It should have been us because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so the wages means like it's what, it's what you earned. So if you, you know, work, you know, at your job, uh, I don't know, if you work at McDonald's or something, the wages that you get is like 10 bucks an hour, whatever it is, all right? But the wages, so when you, when you work for sin, when you commit sin, the wages that you get is death. The, the, the punishment for sin is death. And so Jesus, he died in our place. He, he, he died in our place. So it was, it was meant for us, but Jesus did it on our behalf. So that's how his blood saves us, because he saves us from the wrath of God. And that is the same thing that happened to, these, to this lamb with the children of Israel, is that they, they put the punishment of, of sin, and they, they killed the lamb instead of their firstborn child, and they put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And so the story of the children of Israel goes on, and the, the death angel comes. I, I don't even, I can't even really imagine what um, a death angel might even look like. I don't even know if I want to imagine that, but it's, it's kind of scary. But the, the death angel comes through the, comes through the camp, and the, the firstborn of the Israelites are saved, and they're not, they're not, you know, taken. And then God, you know, he, he does it, and then Pharaoh wakes up, and his, his firstborn son has been, has been killed. And so he comes to Moses, and he says, all right, now it's time for you to get out of here. He's like, I don't want you here anymore. I don't want whatever you guys, what's ever wrong with, you know, what's ever going on with your God and all this. He's like, I don't want y'all here anymore. He's like, so I want you to leave. So they're not, they're not asking to be set free anymore. But Pharaoh just tells him just to leave because he doesn't want any more bad stuff to happen to them in Egypt. And so, and so the children of Israel, they, they leave. They, they pack up everything, and they start heading out. They start, they start leaving. It's, there's you know, perhaps over like a million or two million you know, of, these, of these Israelites that are they're leaving the land of Egypt. And they're leaving, and they're going for a while. And there's, there's two ways that they could have gone. They could have gone to this one way, which would have, they would have passed through a, a land with some enemies, or they could have passed this other way where they would cross through the Red Sea. And God does not want them to send them onto the other way, the, the, the way with, they would have to go and face battles because God was worried that the Israelites were not strong enough to face the battles, and they would want to go back to Israel. They would want to go back to Israel. And sometimes in our lives, there are some, some battles and some struggles that we face, and it causes us to, to turn back from the salvation that God has offered us. Sometimes some things happen in our lives that are too hard to, too hard to deal with, some temptation that's too, too big to try and deal with, and it causes us to go back to Egypt, as it were. And God foresaw this with the children of Israel. He saw that if they had to go and fight the, the Canaanites, if they had to go and fight them right off the bat after getting delivered, that they were not going to make it and they were going to have to go back, back to Egypt. And so he, he spares them and he says, okay, I'm not going to make you fight on your own, but I'm going to take you a different route and I'm going to do the fighting for you and I'm going to take you and have you cross the Red Sea. He says, I'm going to do the work for you. I'm going to do the fighting for you and I'm going to have you cross the Red Sea. See, 
And so the Israelites, they're, they're going towards the Red Sea, and they're, they're all lined up. Just, just imagine this. Imagine, you know, over a million people just lined up on this, on this bank, on this shore. They're all lined up. And if this was, this was the Red Sea, all they see is just, you know, water. You know, they, they just, see, just see vast, you know, water. And they're like, how in the world are we going to get across this body of water? How in the world are we going to do this? You know, they're, they're probably looking to, to Moses. You know, Moses, why did you bring us out here just to, just to die? Because there, we, there's no way we can cross this Red Sea. And I'm sure Moses is, you know, he's stressed. He's, you know, he's like, God, what are we going to do? You know, how am I going to help these people? How am I going to, you know, deliver them? How am I going to do all this? And sometimes people, um, you know, leaders, they, they struggle with, with knowing exactly what to do. They don't know exactly what to do. And God, he always provides a way out. He always delivers. There's been times in the past, you know, year and a half or so since being a youth pastor that, that I've not known which way to, to go. Um, stuff has, has come up, you know, in the youth group, in the church, and I'm, I'm like, God, you know, what do I, what do, I do? You know, how do I, how do I accomplish this? And it's almost like I'm right there with Moses. You know, the people are like, what are we, what are we going to do? You know, we have this, this vast desert. How are we going to get past it? What are we, we going to do? And Moses, he's like, I don't know. I need, to, I need to pray. And there's been so many times where I have not known what to do, but I have come to a place of prayer and asked God to, to help me and to lead me and to guide me. Anytime before uh, Wednesdays and before Sundays, and if I ever spend any time with with any of you, you know, just individually, I, I will just, I have to pray because I have to, I have to, God has to show me, you know, what to, what to, what to say, what to, what to think and, and how to, how to act. There, my favorite time of the week is coming up here around four o'clock, five o'clock. And I just, I just walk back and forth right here and I just pray and, and God will put some of you on my mind. He'll just put you in my heart. I'll pray over every chair. I'll pray over this altar, you know, this powerful place of, of deliverance. You know, even though there's coke stains everywhere, but we, I'll pray and I'll ask God to, to help us and to lead us and to guide us. And every time, God gives me direction. Every single time, God gives me direction. And so Moses is, is he's standing there with, with the children of Israel and they're about to cross the waters. He doesn't know what to do. And so he prays and God tells him, he says, stretch out your hand and watch the miracles that I'm going to do. And so Moses out his, stretches out his hand with his staff, and all of a sudden, the, the water starts rising on either side. The, the walls of the, of the water grow, get higher and higher, and you can, you can like, see the fish, you know, on the, on the side, of, on the, side of, the, of, the, of the water that's being risen. And the people are just in, in awe as God is making a way. And so the children of Israel are, they're walking through on dry ground. They're walking through, you know, they're walking through, and they see this, this water on, on either side. It's just, it's just an amazing Miracle, and then they look behind them, and they see the army of Egypt charging at them. They're probably, you know, they see you know Pharaoh. That's he's super angry because he he changed his mind about the children of Israel leaving. He's super angry. He's super mad. He's he's riding in his chariot. You know, there's thousands and thousands of horses and and, and Egyptians that are coming and, and coming to destroy the Israelites because they regretted that they let them go. And so Moses is like, come on, everybody, let's go, let's go. So he's pushing them through the, 
the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, as they're crossing, this, this huge pillar of fire just comes down from heaven. It's just this pillar of fire, it's blazing. You know, it's, it's, it's just this, this, imagine like a tornado. It was a tornado of fire that just came down from heaven. And it just starts, it starts moving towards the Egyptians. It starts, it starts just circulating towards the Egyptians and behind the Israelites. And so the Israelites are going, they're going through the Red Sea, and this, this, this cloud of fire is just, it's just going. And the Israelites, they're, they're about to, to get through, and then the Egyptians are stopped by this cloud a fire. It was, it was kind of like a cloud, and on one side it was a cloud, and on one side it was fire. And as the children of Israel were crossing the Red Sea, God blocked the Egyptians from getting into the Red Sea to destroy the children of Israel, and they went through the water. They went through on dry ground. And in the same way, just how the, the Israelites went through the water to salvation, to deliverance. The waters of baptism are what it destroys the works of the enemy in your life when you are baptized in Jesus' name. The waters of baptism destroy the work of the enemy inside a human heart. I can't really explain the, the, the significance of, of water baptism, but all I know is that Whenever you are, when you are baptized in the name of Jesus, the one who died for your sins, when, that, when you go under that water and when, when you come out of that, that water, something in the spirit just happens. Something in the spirit just, just happens. There's some kind of breakthrough, some kind of, some kind of miracle that happens. It's, it's almost like the sin of, of your entire life has just been washed away in that water. It's almost like just, it's, it, the baptism washes away all your previous sins, but it also steps out of time and it washes all your, your future sins. It's, it's even when God knows what's going to happen. He knows you're going to mess up. Even your future sins are covered and they're washed away. It's washed. And when you step, when you go into that water and you're baptized in Jesus' name, it's, it's just something happens. God delivers you from the chains of the enemy. God delivers you from, from, from all kind of darkness and evil. Some kind of evil may have happened in your life before you were baptized. When you were baptized, everything changes because God takes you from one kingdom to the other. Brother Bobby Wade a couple weeks ago preached about this. He preached about how baptism is spiritual warfare. It, something is, is happening in the spirit when you get baptized. And so the children of Israelite, the children of Israel are, they are go through the water, they go through the Red Sea. And just as they are getting saved, just as they are getting delivered, God, they're 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 about to go, you know, to the step on the other side of the Red Sea, God allows the Egyptians to, to come into the Red Sea. He takes up the cloud, and he allows the Egyptians to chase after the children of Israel. And as, you know, all these Egyptians are, are, are trying to go through the water just like the Israelites did, the water comes crashing down on them, and God jams their wheels, and they, they, they all get destroyed. And what what the Egyptians symbolize, what, what this story is telling us, is that anytime you make a move towards God, anytime you make one step towards God, what's going to be coming right behind you is that the enemy is going to be coming after you. Anytime you make a move towards God, you can expect the enemy to come in like, like, like a flood almost, is like the scripture is saying. It's, it's almost like they just come running back after you. Anytime you make one step for God, and it never stops. 
It starts at salvation. Anytime you decide to get saved, you know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to change my life. You know what happens? All the temptation starts coming back even stronger and stronger. The problems at school, the problems at home, whenever you're trying to pray right, whenever you're trying to live right, everything just starts coming back even stronger than it was before. And so they're, they're trying to escape, they're trying to get saved, and then the Egyptians are just coming up to attack them. They're reminding them of, of their past life of slavery. It's, it's, it's bringing up their past. You know, what, what do you used to do when you are back in Egypt? You used to do this. You used to watch this. You used to look at this. You used to act like this, talk like this. And all that comes rushing, it's trying to chase you down, and it seems like you can't even get away from it because all your mistakes are following you when you're trying to make a step towards God. It's just how it works because the enemy is not going to fight. The devil is not going to fight somebody who, who has no threat to his kingdom. He's just not going to mess with somebody who, who's not living for God. You know, he, he's, he's already deceived them. They're already in, in bondage to sin. It's anybody who sins is a slave to sin, Jesus said. And so whenever you're trying to, to grow the kingdom of God, whenever you're trying to allow God to work inside of your life, you can expect attack to come from the enemy because he wants nothing more than destroy the work of God inside of your life. He wants nothing more than destroy the calling that God has placed upon your heart. He wants nothing more than to destroy the good things that God has been trying to do into your life. That's what the scripture says. The enemy comes to seek to kill and to destroy. It's what he does. It's, he's just bent on it. It's just what he does all the time. And so when he sees that somebody is making a move towards God, he will come and he will try to destroy the work of God in a believer's life. A couple years ago, I was on an internship with my aunt and uncle and my cousin's church in Ohio. And my aunt was trying to reach these people, this couple. Their marriage was a wreck. They were just not getting along. The kid, it was just, it was terrible. Their, their house was, was in disorder. They were very poor. And she was trying to go over to the house to, to reach these people and to help them, you know, with the gospel. And they were coming to church. And as soon as they started coming to church, they, 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 had tr they started having trouble in their marriage again. They started fighting. And the, the man threatened to, to move back to his, his home country. He threatened to leave and to, you know, forsake, forget about the marriage and all this. And I remember I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning one morning. And my Aunt Nan, she's a prayer warrior. She was, I could hear her. She woke, she woke me up praying. She, she, she was praying so fervently, so zealously. And her room was right above mine at the time. And I was staying at their house. And I could just hear her saying, oh, God, just please, you know, help them, God. Let the enemy not get inside of their, of their you know, marriage. And let not the enemy destroy, you know, the, the life that they're trying to live, living for God. I went and talked to her about it. And she told me this principle that anytime you take a step towards Jesus, that the enemy is going to come and try to destroy everything that, the, that God has been trying to do. And so as the Israelites were leaving, walking through the Red Sea, and the enemy tried to come back and tried to get them after they had been saved, what happens? God stops it, and he destroys all of the enemies that were trying to chase the children of Israel. And this, and this very time, is what in, in this story is what happens in that scripture I read at the beginning. He says, God, Moses, he says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And so if you're in the fight of your life, if you're in the fight of some kind of sin, some kind of something trying to come, come back into your life after you know God has already delivered you, the word of the Lord is saying just to stand still and to see the salvation of the Lord. That's all God is saying is to stand still and see 
his salvation. You cannot try to win the fight on your own. You cannot try to, to receive some kind of breakthrough through your own strength. But what God does is he steps onto the scene and he delivers you from the clutches of the enemy. God does the work. God fights for you. So he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And so if you're in some kind of battle, some kind of struggle for your, for your soul, for your, for your mind, for some kind of issue with your heart or with your family or something, the Lord is just saying, stand still and see his salvation. Just stand still and watch God do the work inside of your heart. If you've been feeling like God has been drawing you to something more to do for his kingdom, just stand still and watch God fight the battles for you. If you've been wanting to reach your friends with the message of the gospel, just stand still and watch God do the work through you. If you've been trying to reach a family member, they don't want to come to church, but you've been trying to bring them, just stand still and watch God fight for you. If you haven't been saved yet, you haven't given your heart to Jesus completely, just give up trying to live on your own. Give up trying to figure it all out on yourself and just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Because God will fight for his people. God will fight for his people. God will fight for you, VSM. God will fight for you. I cannot explain this well enough. I can't even really describe it because it's just, it's just the almighty power of God, the sovereign reign and rule of God that he sends down a cloud of fire and just comes and he says, I will fight for you. And he drowns all the enemies in the water. And so if you're needing a battle won tonight, VSM, in your life, Jesus will fight for you. Jesus will fight for you. And so they walk through the, the, the Red Sea and they go on dry ground. They go to the other side. The, the, the Egyptians are, are destroyed in the water and the sin is behind them. And so now they're, they're walking onto their destiny. They're walking onto the path that God has for their life and they don't know exactly where to go. And all of a sudden, that cloud that I had been preaching about earlier, that cloud comes in front of the children of Israel and it guides them. Wherever the cloud goes, they, they go. Where they were camped out for somewhere for a while, they would stay, they would follow the cloud. The cloud was there for a couple weeks, they would stay. When the cloud would leave, they would go. And at night, the cloud would lead them, would lead them at day, and then that pillar of fire would come down at night and give them light. And so what this symbolizes, again, this is the drama of salvation. It's teaching us what God does, is that after you've passed through the waters, of baptism and had the slaves had had all kind of evil destroyed in your life the next thing that happens is that the power of the holy ghost will lead you the next thing that happens just like that cloud led the children of Israel, just like that pillar of fire led the children of Israel, what happens after you're saved, after you start walking with Jesus is that the power of the holy ghost leads you into the next place you should go you may not know where to go with your life. You may not know what to do. But if you just follow that cloud, you just follow the power of the Holy Ghost inside of your life, you keep coming to church, you keep reading your Bible, you keep trying to pray, you keep trying to listen to good music, you keep trying to watch shows, you know, that are not, not bad, and you keep trying to live for God, walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, and live by faith, pretty soon that cloud will start leading you, and you'll be led by the Spirit. And so what God is telling us tonight, what God is leading us to do is to realize the salvation that he has offered us, that he has completely delivered us from the forces of evil, and he has brought us into the kingdom of God, and he is working out something new in our lives. And I first talked about the blood of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's the only way that you can be saved is through what Jesus did. 
And our response in faith to what Jesus did is to repent of our sins, to ask God to forgive us for every single sin that we've ever done. Once we've done that, we are baptized in his name to wash away those sins, to destroy the work of the enemy in our life. And then we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it's what gives us the power. It's what gives us the strength to walk in the newness of life. So if you're in this room, you've never been baptized before, Jesus is calling you. He's, he's pulling on your heart. He is, he is, he is imploring you, and he is, he, is, he is telling you this is how the work of the enemy is destroyed in your life. And if you want the power of the Holy Ghost inside of your life, if you've never received this power of the Holy Ghost living and working and breathing inside of you, Jesus is saying the same to you. Or if you've, the power that God has been laid dormant in your life, Jesus is saying he wants to do the same in your life. Ethan, if you want to come to the piano, I believe God is doing a mighty work inside of, of all of our hearts tonight, if you will allow him. If you allow God to work in, in your life, God wants to do something great in your life. If you've been battling, you know, the life of sin, if you've been battling some kind of some kind of thing, pulling on your heart away from the call of God, away from that cloud, leading you into the into the paths of righteousness, into into freedom, into liberty, into to just life in the Spirit. Jesus is calling you here tonight, and He's saying He's going to wash away your sins. He's going to wash away everything that you've done wrong, every wrong thought, everything that you've done wrong, Jesus is going to wash it all the way. Again, baptism cleanses your past sins, but it also cleanses your future sins. It's all washed away in the waters. And Jesus is calling on our hearts to deeper commitment towards him. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.